This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top tier lineup. With Leap Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Relax, grab a beer, take that marital aid out of your ear. It's transfer deadline day on the Blue Monday podcast. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast discussing Ipswich Town up or down since 2015, available live this evening on YouTube, Facebook, uh, and after the event on YouTube and wherever you grab your podcasts. My name is Craig Thimber and I'm your host for this evening's festivities and joining me are two gentlemen, one of whom is probably uh, a little bit more recognisable to to yourselves. Um Joe Taxi, comment allez-vous? Ça va? Où est la piscine? Yeah, it's been, it's been a long day for me. I, I've been driving back from Paris today, and I think I've been in the car for nine hours today. I, I got in about 40 minutes ago, ready to come and give the listeners what they want with all this exciting transfer deadline day news. With your uh, 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 cravat jaune. You didn't, you didn't wear your cravat jaune this evening, though. No? no, no. I might have had a croque monsieur, but that was about it. Perfect. And joining us for the very first time is uh, a gentleman whose name you may have heard um, because he's been referenced by Ben and Rich, I think, Jacob. Uh, this is Jacob Powerley, whose words you may have heard, as I say, as as Rich and Ben um, discussed potential signings, defender signings and attacking signings um, throughout the summer. But Jacob's kindly agreed to to join us this evening for a, for a chat about the transfer window. How are you, Jacob? How's it all going? And if you'd just like to let us know who you are and what you're up to. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, th- again, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Um, it's been great to see the response to the the videos that I did with, uh, with Ben and Rich, which is great. Um, yeah, it's been quite a good uh, good transfer deadline day, I think. You know, it's always, it's always fun, isn't it? It's doing constantly constantly refreshing Twitter all day and not getting a lot else done. Um, but in terms of a bit about me, so I live down in Cornwall, so not exactly a hotbed of uh, Ipswich Town fans, but there you go. Um, stuff that I kind of do really, I've, I write a bit about town and the championship and the EFL in general over on, over on Substack. But um, as you've mentioned, the, done a little bit of work with those transfer target videos as well. And yeah, it's great to be on the, uh, on the podcast. Perfect. You say it's 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 fun, but you know there are some people we won't mention any names who don't tend to uh, enjoy it as much as others. Um, speaking of which, before we dive um, headlong into a hectic day at uh, Portman Road, um, my lawyers have been in touch and and advised me that um, despite rumours to the contrary, I did not return from Turkey with uh, new teeth and a and a new, as you can see, a new uh, hairline. Um, I did return from Turkey with a story about a Turkish bath, but me and the man have decided we're neither of us going to talk about that. Um, so, yeah, if if anybody sees uh, Rich and Seb, just let them know that they may get some sort of uh, summons in the post anytime soon. Um, speaking of which, Rich, 
he does go on about not being a huge fan of, of transfer deadline day, et cetera, et cetera. However, he has done this for us, and it's only going to be a, visible for those of you watching uh, on YouTube. But as you can see, he's done us a, what I'll call a, a gold ticker rather than a, a bright yellow sky one. But, um, you know, he he's, he's joined in the fun of it to a certain extent. Um, right, okay, let's go through some uh, comments. Thank you very much for joining us, everybody. AD, good evening. Charlie, how are you? Michael, as ever, good morning from Brisbane. Uh, yeah, we, we specifically pushed this one back for you, Michael. So on um, what before game day, you're sort of a little bit more aligned to uh, to where you need to be. How are you going? How are you going, Martin? Yeah, well, you say it's exciting. It potentially was going to be exciting. Well, this particular podcast will be very exciting, but the news that may have come while we we're online online and on air um may not actually now happen but you know we'll we'll discuss the plan is to discuss really what's happened in the championship full stop um and then obviously uh, we'll major on what we've been up to uh, ourselves good morning the universe doesn't care charlie d as ever hello jason hello uh oh spoiler alert i'll hide that again um Jules, good evening to you. Uh, Neil, hi. MW, hi. And an Espana. That's uh, Spain for those of you who uh, aren't aware. Um, okay, so yeah, there's the reports are that um, there may not be any more uh, incomings and outcomings this evening as it goes. Um, however, we will um, discuss uh, potential signings that don't necessarily need to happen uh, today um so as a result i referenced rich earlier in his ticker he's also he's also done this for us i don't think we're going to get to use that either so um who knows if if there is a signing of a of a an out of contract player fingers crossed it happens during um a pre-match live show and and rich can uh, can use it there right what i'll do guys um as i said before we're going to maybe start off talking about the uh the championship um and what's what's happened uh with with the the teams in there um what i put together was a, a list of uh up on the screen here um a list of incoming transfer fees which sort of may help guide a conversation as to why certain clubs have done certain bits of business and other clubs maybe haven't been quite as um, busy busy as others. Um, for those of you who can't uh, see the screen, there's there's a list of all the clubs in the in the championship and those um, fees that they've received. And obviously, we know about um, the parachute clubs that have come down and received a fair chunk of change for their ex-Premier League players. But obviously, we've then also got... Coventry um, selling their two big um, stars and therefore allowing them to to uh, do bits and pieces in the in the um, transfer market, but it, and it sort of guys has skewed things somewhat and probably potentially skewed them away from how we thought that they might they might end up being this this transfer window. Um, Joe, do you think they've got maybe things got a bit rich for us? Yeah, definitely so. And I think there's also another club, not mentioned in there, but Luton Town, who went up to the Premier League, who, when you look at their recruitment, Mads Anderson, Jacob Brown, all players that you'd have expected maybe to get moves to parachute championship clubs, or even to us, a club of our level, have now gone into the Premier League. So effectively, there's a, there's another club sort of trying to do trying to do business where we were as well. And I'd say you look at the fee we paid for George Hurst at the start of the window, sort of £1.5 million, which... I think most people felt was about fair, but but you wonder what fee that would be now if Leicester were trying to sell him at this point of the window. When you look at, I think the deal fell through in the end, but Southampton had agreed a fee of £8 million for Ross Stewart, who is out of contract this summer and is injured for another month and he's got 10 championship goals to his name. Joel Perot was in that sort of 7 £8 million range. Um, Tom Cannon going to Leicester from Everton after sort of half a good season, £6.5 million. The money is just the money's just gone crazy. And we have been, like I say, you listen to what Mark Ashton was saying at the start of the window and when he was interviewed in the uh, over in Austria at the tournament there on town TV. And I think he's probably 
over-promised and under-delivered would be my view of this window. And I, and I, I guess that's probably to do with the fact that they maybe underestimated how the how the window was going to go. And like I say, you look, we were in for Austin Trusty and he was two, three million. And then all of a sudden he goes to Sheffield United for five million. Luke McNally, it sounds like one we missed out on. And now we're, now we're sitting here and we've probably, I, I don't, I don't think we're short of bodies in the squad, but maybe short of the quality extra bodies that we wanted. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, Jacob? That's sort of, Joe alludes to, well, I'll ask you two questions really is, the initial one asked Joe about here that that all of a sudden clubs of a maybe a similar size, similar stature, certainly probably fishing in similar ponds to what we would be for these type of players, have all of a sudden got not carte blanche, but all of a sudden they've got a, a bigger person and, a, and a, now the wherewithal to go and sign those players and potentially be a bit more attractive by virtue of them being in the championship for longer than, than we have been. And then also, as Joe says there about did we do well to maybe acquire not only Hurst, but also uh, Taylor from Posh when we did? Because as a res- ever since, the the cost of a, a championship player has gone up significantly. Yeah, I definitely think looking at it from as we are today, those deals definitely look like good value, um, especially compared to some of these fees that are being quoted now. And I think the previous slide you had up is probably the one that is the best summary of what uh, of what we're kind of up against, really, because I think what what, what Mark Ashton has said about this player trading, what we aspire to be, is someone like uh, looking getting these fees in that Bristol City and Coventry have been getting, because that's the only way that you're going to even come close to these parachute clubs in terms of budget. Um, and obviously, because we're having been in League One, I think we're one or two year years behind. We've got a couple of players in our squad who we've bought quite recently, who we think maybe next summer might be players who are going to go for that sort of money. But having only been proven in League One, I don't think it would be of good value for us to have sold sold them now anyway. And obviously, we need them on the pitch to, to adjust to the level up. Um, I think probably another thing that's perhaps trickled down really from, from the higher clubs in the division is since we were last in it, I think there's become a much bigger reliance on loan transfers across the board. So you look at the likes of Middlesbrough, Coventry, even Sunderland, the core of their playoff side last year was loans, which means that they're now having to rebuild, um, which means that and, and, and clubs like Coventry, Sunderland, etc., will be more attractive to a player than we will because we've only just been in the division for um, for a few months. So I think there, there are lots of different factors which come into play, but I think it's probably just we're maybe a year or two behind where some of these other clubs are. I definitely think we will get there, but at the moment we're just having to having to make do of what we've got. And And, and like Joe said, I think we maybe haven't got some players who we would come in and think they're definitely going to be starters, um, which is probably what we were looking for at the start of the window, like we did in League One. Instead of replacing squad players, we would buy a player to start and our starting player would then become a squad player. Um, but that said, I don't think there's an area that we look at, and I'm sure we'll go into this in more depth later, where I think, oh, we're really short there. I think we've got bodies everywhere. It's just a case of whether we have that quality to push for what our targets are this season. Yeah, and talking talking about the the and we as you as you rightly say we will go through it later on about squad depth. That's one of the things McKenna said um, after he signed Williams, wasn't it? Is that he was now confident that he had two players for that one position who were of a high quality and also similar on the the right hand side as well. So and he was he alluded to the fact he want he wanted that further on um, through the squad. But so as you as you say here, Jacob, in terms of the incoming transfers, what it shows and I've highlighted them in the in the bold is the three. Champion now championship previously League One clubs haven't sold a player for any money whatsoever, and that's probably obviously it then hampers us Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday in terms of our ability to to purchase players. You know our two purchases, um, um, a, a Hurst and Taylor, are along similar lines to Plymouth's two signings. You know they they were, albeit Taylor wasn't with us last year, he was. We tried to get him in January and eventually got him. They've only ended up being able to sign two players who they already have, and for similar fees to what to what we've been able to to sign our guys for. Um, and it, it, it does seem incredible, though, that us and Plymouth have effectively come up and spent the same amount of money on fees this year when you've expected us to be able to, well, spend a, spend a lot more than them, really, wouldn't you? Yeah, 
yes, yeah, so that's a really, really good point. And uh, maybe that is down to Jacob's point about us not quite yet being seen as a um, a safe bet in terms of um, a championship team and where you'd want to you know, hang your hat for for three years of a fledgling career. You see what I mean? Um, but maybe, and it also alludes to Jacob's fact that our players maybe aren't seen as being um, as attractive quite yet because they've proved it in, in League One only so far. So clubs further up the chain and further afield, um, maybe even further afield abroad, aren't yet convinced about the uh, the quality of the, the squad that, that we've got. So hence why, again, you don't you aren't able to start kickstart that that player trading cycle off. Um so yeah, just sort of going on to that, as you can see from from the the list of players here, you know, we and it dovetails in with the amount of money that people have brought in. You know, Coventry spending 15, 16, thick end of 16 million quid on two players. Well, 20 million quid if you include the the guy from um, the Dutch leagues. Um, on there, guys, you can see that there's there's money being spent, but and by clubs, as I said before, that you would sort of hope to put us in the same um, ballpark as. Uh, but unfortunately, we just haven't been able to a muster the amount of funds that that we probably need, and b then then fight them off. Are there any any in there that you'd you'd have particularly taken a fancy to, or any any comments on the ones that have already been signed by these guys? Like, I guess the ones we looked at were Ellis Sims, um, Jaden Philogene, and then you look at uh, there was talk of Jason Knight. They never really seemed anything in that one, did they? It seemed a bit like we were just using them to pretend we were going to move on from Jack Taylor and Bristol City were using Jack Taylor to pretend they were moving on from Jason Knight. It seemed in both of our interests to do that. But no, it just, I, I don't know, it, it just feels the we've been effectively caught out a little bit by what by what's happened in this in this league. And we're, we're now in a position where probably we were looking to try and move through the leagues a bit quicker than we are to now we've sort of been smacked in the face by the real, realism of what the championship is now and that it is going to need to try and get some loans. And even when you're looking at loans, you're not, you're not even getting the high end loans in the league. Are you? When you, when you look at the free loans we've bought in, you've got sort of Dane Scarlett who had a sort of mixed, it'd probably be fair to say loan spell in league one and Mari Hutchinson who hasn't played any senior football at all other than sort of 30 minutes in sort of premier league games. And then, the third one, Brandon Williams, who's had a good sort of early career at Manchester United, but hasn't done anything for a year or so. So we're in a we're in a sort of strange position where we've probably, I think we we're looking up, and now it sort of feels a bit like okay, that's we're now in that sort of mid table range, hoping to kick on from there, as opposed to jumping up jumping up ahead of the Coventry, well maybe not Coventry so much, but like the Hulls, the Stokes, the Birmingham's, the Bristol Cities, the Millwalls, those teams were teams we'd probably had in our eyesight, but maybe the real realisation is that we, we aren't at their level yet. Yeah. Jacob? Yeah, I think what's just as interesting really as where they've played where those players have gone is where they've come from. I mean you look at what Coventry have done, um Vanny Wick from Hare and Veen, um Sakamoto from uh Ustend, is it from in, in Denmark? Like we obviously again that's I think that's just another product of of where we've been the last few seasons. We don't have these scouting networks up and running yet. And also because I think they've only recently changed the rules, haven't they, about um about visas and all the rest of it. So again, that's something where I think maybe we maybe weren't as prepared for those those changes as 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 other clubs potentially were. Um but yeah, I think I think Coventry are probably the, the standout ones really because they're, they're probably the model to emulate they've got i mean hamer and yokarez both came in for about a million each and and sold for i think combined 35 million which has then allowed them to be, be a little bit more aggressive and go for these though these sort of seven eight million pound players which otherwise wouldn't have been available to them yeah, but yeah I'd, no. I'd say that's i'd say that's probably the the, the the biggest observation i think from from the window yeah and it's quite interesting as joe alluded to about ellis sims yeah we all got the feeling that he was one that we were in for and for a price that we could probably achieve. But as it turns out, albeit I think this fees, including um, add-ons, et cetera, that's still a good <clears throat> percentage more than we were probably looking to uh, to go with in the in the first instance. I think the, the one outlier there in terms of um, clubs which haven't 
necessarily sold but did, did still um spend would be Millwall actually I think Millwall spent spent a few a few quid on fees but haven't necessarily yet um take taken any any money in um I'll just go for a few of the comments here um people are uh, having their having their say and we we may come across this once we talk about the uh, the Ipswich town win sorry Joe your face is being covered every time I put a uh, a comment up hold on a sec let me do that oh that's better now we can see your uh, your French suntan um LG is, is commented here might be controversial but Ashton has royally messed up this summer clearly messed out, messed out on key targets and now settling for loans and crocked players disappointing um Charlie D uh is saying that Joe's right he overpromised maybe it's a case of saying a little less publicly um and Skip has carried on the conversation so he doesn't think he's messed up. I think he's refused to get involved in the nonsense fees that we've seen, and that is good for the long-term future of the club. I think there's just going to be this ongoing discussion about, you know, how you sort of view Mark Ashton, and therefore that will might push you down the the road of of how you view the transfer window. What do you reckon, Jacob? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's fair to say it's been a complete disappointment. I think it's been a, a sort of satisfactory to good window, not a great one. I think we might be suffering. I think you might be suffering a little bit from the context there because January is probably the best window we've ever had and possibly will ever have. Like four mm-hmm. top quality players came in, did the job, twenty match unbeaten run. We're like we're not gonna, we're not going to get that again. Um, I think the loans comment. I think we're probably at the probably about the sweet spot of where I think we should be. As I mentioned earlier, like I think it's a consequence of these bigger clubs sort of hoovering up all these young players at, at such a young age that loans are pretty much the only way you can recruit really top players if you're not a parachute club and even the parachute clubs do it as well so i think three three loans is about that that sweet spot adding that extra extra quality you need without being over reliant like a team like middlesbrough were last season um but i, I yeah I, I do i do sort of see where that comment comes from though because i think joe's right that we there has been a bit of um under delivery based on some of the noises that we had particularly around the time of, of that austria trip so yeah i'd say you know it's probably about six or seven out of ten but not a disaster but maybe not 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 as good as our most optimistic hopes i think sometimes we maybe need to look at the end of last season and judge it against what we're expecting to happen in the window from there because whilst you're sort of as you go you sort of change your expectations through the window i think when we sat here at the end of last season it was a case of we definitely need another striker we definitely going to need another center back um, and then you probably want another versatile attacking player, maybe someone to challenge Wes Burns. We sort of knew Taylor was coming in. We expected Hurst to come in, and really, we, we haven't really delivered on on a, on a centre back, have we? We've we've now got effectively we're in quite a weak position there. Really, when when you look at it, mm-hmm. you've got you've got Luke Wolfen and Cameron Burgess who start the season brilliantly, and you're not going to sort of criticise those two because they've had a they've been part of this run where they've played every game for this unbeaten run. But George Edmondson looks a shadow of himself, really, from how he looked under Paul Cook, when I, I'd probably say, at the point when Paul Cook left, I'd probably say he was probably the best of our signings that we made under him for, for a fee. Maybe Sam Morsey at that point. But at that point, he was looking really, really good. And he just since he's picked up that bad injury, he just has not looked the same, whether it's confidence, whether it's injury, whether it's fitness. He just... And this was again the same on Tuesday night, where he's he's at fault for the second goal, sort of just going going down too easily there. And it's just you're just worried. Elkin Baggett is a player that I think in pre-season there was one game. It's been noted in the Telegram chat where Stevenage were quite keen on him on loan. When we played Stevenage in a friendly, they just basically spent the whole game targeting him and sort of press, pressing him banging the ball in, onto his head and just getting after him to see how he, maybe to see how he stood up to that test. And he didn't really impress in that game. It was probably his worst game in the preseason. And he's, he's looked good since then, but I don't, I, would anyone be that comfortable if we find out that Luke Wolfenden's got a bug tonight and he's not going to play tomorrow with George Edmondson or Elkin Baggett coming into the side mm. with, I don't know, Don Ball going there. I don't know. It just, it just seems that we've, we've obviously targeted this position and, it's uh, I know it. I I just I don't feel comfortable with what we've got in the squad, and that's such a key position. Some areas of the squad are really stacked. You look at sort of central midfield, and you've got Luongo, 
Morsey, Taylor, Evans, Ball, Humphreys that can all play there. You look in the attacking roles and you've got eight or nine players playing that three behind the striker, but the two sort of key parts of the team, centre-back and centre-forward, you're one injury away from being in a bit of trouble, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree those are probably the areas where we're, we're lacking the most depth. I think, obviously, with centre-back, a, a lot will depend on whether whether um, whether Twanzebi does come in as, as per the rumours. Um, yeah, and I, I think what you said about Hurst is, is correct as well because um, we probably don't... I don't think we've got a player who is a direct kind of replacement style-wise for him in the squad at the moment. I know there's been talk about sort of Scarlett having um, sort of beefed up a little bit over the summer, but I can't see him playing that role. And obviously it depends what what, what ends up happening with, uh, with uh, Freddie Ladapo. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say those are probably the areas where where if there is any lack of depth, that's where it, that's where it is. Um, yeah, I think tomorrow, obviously, with with um, Transavi not 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 done yet, I, I do agree that if you know if if that situation did come up, I don't think I don't think Edmonton is kind of up to it at, at this point. But then we we did enter the transfer window in May, sort of thinking that centre forward, centre half would be the main areas that would need um, support and potentially Im- improvement and. They're still the ones that we're talking about on the 1st of September at 25 past nine, unfortunately. And it, it's still not particularly unlikely that tomorrow at three o'clock we have Caden Jackson starting up front for us again, is it? Which, if you'd have said that to anyone, like even last season, Caden Jackson didn't really start any games as a central nine, did he? Other than a couple of the cup games. And now it, it seems that he's... He sort of he, he he started the game against Leeds and he he did really well and he did scored a good goal in the game in the, in the in the Stoke game as well. So it's it's not a criticism of Kenny Jackson. I think we all appreciate what he's sort of how how much he's grown as a player under McKenna. But I don't think anyone expected him to be starting games as a Championship number nine for us. And I say I, it's difficult because I, I I do really like Dane Scarlett. And I think he will be a really good player. I've watched a lot of him for England over the years, and I think he's. I think he's a really astute signing, and I think I think he will do well for us. But it's it's, it's that risk, isn't it, that George Hurst is just head and shoulders above the rest of our strikers in the role that McKenna wants from him. That we haven't really got anyone that could do that. And it's just you look at someone like maybe a Colby Bishop or someone like that. Would would he have been a a player that you could have bought in? Yeah, maybe you might have had to pay two two and a half million for him, and you might not get that back at the end of the day. But he's a player that can do the role that we need. Yeah. So, in, just as um, as we were talking about their centre halves, Joe was talking about centre half. Um, just before we go on to centre halves, um, Jacob was giving his own rating of how we think how he thinks we've done in this transfer window. If people want to give us their own ratings of how they think we've done uh, in the transfer window, but please put your workings; otherwise, uh, we won't accept your answer. Um, and also. Ben would love this. Who has won the transfer window? He'd loves to know which team in the championship has won the transfer window. Um, and sorry, just and also with Jacob's videos that he did. Obviously, Dane Scarlett was one of the striker targets, hmm. and we have the centre back targets as well. Do you just want to go through those, maybe for anyone who hasn't seen the videos to see where where they ended up, whether they were realistic or not? Yeah, of course. Put me on the spot now. I have to remember all of them on the top of my head, which I think I should be able to do. And um, so, with the strikers, Colby Bishop was um, was one of the players on there. So I, I don't think there's any moves with him. I think he's still still at Portsmouth, isn't he? Um, another player that I put on there was Will Asula, who's at Sheffield United. So he had um, it had been a bit of a, uh, he's kind of had a bit of a strange summer because he had a, a loan at Derby last year, which is a little bit mixed. I think he ended up going back in January. I know I think we had a link to him, didn't we, before we bought bought Hadme this time last year. Um, but he started the first three games for Sheffield United in the Premier League, but that's just due to their lack of injuries. And I just think he's got, even though his goal record isn't great, he'd have been uh, a nice addition if he'd had become available. Um just because I think his physical attributes are quite good, probably more in the Hurst mould really than than Scarlet. Um Corley Woodrow again was another one. I, I don't not sure I've heard anything about him. I think that was probably independent on Luton getting a striker. He's on the bench tonight, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think that. Yeah, I, I think he's been on the bench the first few Premier League games. Um, so yeah, I think that's I think that's all the, the, the strikers, isn't it? Um, then centre back. So uh, on that list, we had uh, Thomas Callis, who ended up going to Schalke, I believe, in Germany. So he was he was right sided, but most of the most of the ones that on the list were, were left-sided because obviously that's kind of where we were looking. Um, 
yeah, um, cash in was one, and that was I think as soon as I as soon as I'd uh, we'd released the video, I think it came out a day later that Brighton had had that three and a half million pound bid rejected. So that's probably why that 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 <laughs> that's one that didn't happen. Um, who else? Uh, Liam Kitching at Barnsley. I think there were some really big bids that went in for him from Coventry. I think he might have gone today, hadn't he? I've, I've oh, is he gone? I thought I think it's gone up to about five million for him. That's just another example, isn't it? Of these League One player. Big, yeah, like we, we've given the, we've given the examples of the strikers we were in for and the fees. But when you look at Austin Trusty going for five million, Liam Kitchen, I think potentially going for five million today as well. I've, yeah, noted that a deal has been agreed for him, but I think it's I think that is five for him, which is a player with sort of limited Championship experience, isn't there? Mm. Sort of one season in the Championship, and like Mad Sanderson was seen as the star of the two and he's gone to Luton for sort of two or three million and Liam Kitchen's gone for five million but incredible really. Another one on that list as well was um was Ben Davis and I don't think I've heard anything about about him. I think he would have been more in the kind of expensive end of the spectrum. So he's he's been at Rangers, uh been left out of their Champions League squad and I don't think is in the manager's plans there. Obviously had uh had spell was a really good player Preston uh had spell I think at Sheffield United as well. Um I thought he would have been he'd have fit the profile of the sort of relatively experienced left centre back, I think twenty seven or twenty eight years old he is, so probably probably good age with you know, with experience. I think was a captain previously, so would have probably fitted that leader role. But I d I don't think anyone I don't think he's he's gone anywhere. I don't think there's anything about that. I mean whether that's um yeah, that's that's just, just something I kind of that's a kind of fit I made really rather than based on any rumours. But yeah, I don't think I've heard anything about him either. I've interested. 's as good as it gets on this stage Nissan townstar EV strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable no, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search Nissan townstar EV and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Whether you need a VPN to protect your world online, to allow you to change your worldwide location virtually, or maybe a bit of both, NordVPN gives you the freedom to do so. NordVPN also allows you to stream TV shows, films and even sporting events which aren't available in your local region, changing to a country which is showing that content, meaning you can switch as seamlessly as a Kira McKenna in-game tactical tweak with just one click. But that's not all. NordVPN can also look after you while online, preventing your card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, safeguarding your personal and sensitive information from harm. Think of it as a Cyber Sam Morsey, offering protection to your own personal back four, but with far fewer yellow cards. NordVPN is available for the price of a cup of Bovril per month, and one account can be used across six different devices. Visit nordvpn.com forward slash blue monday, or click the link in the podcast description for more information about the offer, and a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee trial period. You'll also be helping out the pod by subscribing. In terms of um, centre-halves, then, the one that came out um, this evening, um, as, as the name's been um, released on Twitter, Alex Twenzabi. Go on, I'll have that one. Um, although, for those of you who are subscribed to Telegram, that name was mentioned on there by one of the other two gentlemen uh, on your screen at the moment um before it was released on twitter so you know if, again not that you need any um encouragement to join telegram and the fantastic community we've got there but you know there are sometimes um some exclusives that are uh, that are broken on there joe jacob what do you know about this guy um and do you think that he could potentially um be an answer or, uh, what but what and also what would be the um will be prohibitive about his signing. I don't think he's been ever pre he hasn't got a Matt Holland esque um availability record, has he? No, that that is his issue, isn't it? He he just has not played a lot of football. He's twenty five years old and he is 
played very, very little football. I think his main his main sort of season where he was brilliant was effectively for Aston Villa in the year when they got promoted out of the championship with sort of Tyrone Mings and Jack Grealish and John McGinn and where they had Tammy Abraham, where they had this sort of incredible championship squad. Him and Tyrone Mings at the back were excellent. And I think he then went to them on loan again the following season in the Premier League and didn't play many games there. The, um, two years ago, he was on loan at Napoli, played sort of 10 minutes of football in the whole season. Last year, was on loan at Stoke, played four games. I, so I, think, I, I don't think he's played sort of 50, 60 games in his career and he's sort of 25 years old. And he is a player that McKenna's worked with. But if we, if we do sign him on loan, how long is he going to take to sort of be, they're talking about a trial now. It's been noted on TWTD and EADT that he's going to be joining us on trial with a view to a deal. So it's it's still it doesn't really leave us in a great position with him, does it? And but, but then you, what? You got the caliber, but it's it's he's not he's not twenty one, twenty two as he's twenty five. But no. but if it, but if he comes in and he is fit and he plays, you probably and you get him on a decent contract, you could probably have a. Seven, eight, nine, ten million pound player on your hands because he is—he has been brilliant in the past. So, but then the, the 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 devil on this shoulder over here is saying, "Well, why are we getting a guy on trial on the very last day of the transfer deadline when he has potentially, I would assume, been available for the previous two or three months to have on trial and get up to speed and run the rule over?" Well, I think he's been on trial. At, he's been on trial at Luton, hasn't he? And that deal's fallen through for whatever reason. So. I guess that shows you the sort of level of player he's at or, or could be at and is seen to be at. But it also shows that there's a reason why they're not willing to take a risk on him. And do you want to be the club that takes risks on players? Are we in a position where we need to be the club that that does that? <sighs> Who knows? Jacob? Yeah, I think it's, it's very much low floor, high ceiling with him, isn't it? Because we know that... We saw, obviously, it's a few years ago now with that, that Aston Villa side and his history at Manchester United that there's definitely a player in there. It's just whether, you know, what's more representative? Is it is it his is it his potential or what's what's happened over the last couple of seasons? Um, I think he's one of those players, I mean, we see it at big clubs, don't we, where they'll get signed up to sort of four or five-year contract around 20 years old just there's the bigger club wants to protect their asset. They end up on kind of big money, which means that they don't get a permanent move anywhere they just get in a succession of loans and don't really make a home for themselves. Mm. Um, so I guess if you're wanting to be positive, that's probably, you know, maybe maybe he's a type of player. I mean, George Hurst talked about it, didn't he, when he when he signed that having a permanent home was really something that that, that was really important to him. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think the yeah, I think high 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 ceiling, low floor is probably the the best um, probably best summary of it. I think. Uh, but as Joe said, it's it's probably he's probably not going to be up to speed for a few weeks at the very least. Yeah, and we see we see with a lot of McKenna signings that they take a while anyway, even the ones that come in when they're fit. So um, yeah, it, it might be you know we might be sitting here in a couple of months' time and wondering how how on earth we got him for free because he's brilliant. Mm. But I think it's definitely definitely jury's still out. But it, I mean, based on what some of the talks, uh, some of the sort of worries that we weren't going to get anybody, at least we have got another body in that area now. And I suppose if you're delayed going to the game tomorrow because there's a big lorry full of cotton wool and bubble wrap, it's on its way to Portman Road for the uh, the one striker we've got and the, the two half-decent centre-halves. Um, so, yeah, just going on to what we've now got in the building, Seb, ready to, ready to train on the grass, Seb. Um, this is what we've got in terms of our squad. This is, this is what it is, um, pending any free transfers um, and or out of contract um, player registrations going forward. Um, I think you guys said when well, we spoke previously that, um, before the pod is that you think they can be registered up to October, people who aren't currently registered? Yes, we, we will have to leave a space in the squad, which means effectively Nick Hayes won't be registered with the club. He'll be left as a sort of 26th man, but that doesn't really make a huge amount of difference to be, to be fair. So there, yeah. So we've got 24 in the squad. So we have room for one free agent. So I, I don't think, like I say, Axel Tuanzebi is the player that looks like it will be at the moment. It's coming on trial, but I guess there's other people out there like Craig Cathcart, who I don't think are signed for anyone yet. So it may be that we pick someone up. It may be that something happens that increases the need for us to, to sort someone. Yeah. 
Um, just going through some of the, uh, the comments about um, how people think we're doing. It's quite interesting, actually, in, in terms of the um, the ratings that people are giving and the reasons behind it. Josh here is saying he's giving it a 4 out of 10. Um, good squad additions, but not to improve the first 11 is poor, in, in his opinion. Um, I suppose, yeah, the, 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 the team that's been playing the majority or certainly starting the majority of our league games is pretty much the team that played the majority of the final couple of months of, of last season in terms of in terms of starters. Um, so you can see that. Uh, Mark says that he's giving a 6. Point 0.5 as we're going with now. Mark, 6.5 out of 10. Been okay. Haven't lost any goals. Our best players have stayed. Um, he'd have kept Edwards. Um, players that potentially have proved potentially improve us have come in um i suppose that that's the thing isn't it jacob is it's and sort of as you were speaking about before you, you're signing potential and and hope and um williams and scarlet could be great um they could be and i think in terms of previous um experience and and careers you'd you'd probably albeit he's at a bit of a, a rocky start williams has probably got more experience under his belt well he definitely has got more experience under his belt at a higher level um, than, than Scarlet, but um, that's 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 the thing, though, isn't it, Jacob? It's it's potential rather than as much as you can have a guarantee for these these guys that have come in recently. Yeah, I think that's again, I think that's a pretty fair summary. I'd say that the only the only player you'd probably look at and think if they're you know if they're fully fit, if they're up and running, will definitely get a place in the. In the starting eleven is is Williams. I mean, I, I don't think it will be on on the left. I think he, I think it might be elsewhere. But again, that's you know we've got three three sort of good quality fullback options plus another another couple there. But yeah, I I, I do agree that we don't have um, we maybe haven't signed that sort of first team quality that we that we were looking at. I mean, we had a couple of names linked at the start of the window like like Raksaki, and obviously that that kind of fell through. And then half the league were interested. And I still I still don't think he's gone anywhere. Has he? Is that is that no. correct? No, I believe so. so no. Um, so I think maybe we were hanging our hat on on these types of additions, and um, but yeah, I mean, so one of these lone players m- might kind of stake a claim. I think we probably will have to be relying on that if we are going to maybe sort of continue what, how we how we've started. But yeah, I, I, I think I can see I can see all the kind of potential opinions really with with the um, with the, with these transfer window ratings really because you, you can look at it from the perspective of. Of, of improving first, of improving the squad, or whether whether you think maybe it was quite a tough task, and we maybe had overly high expectations. I can see both. I can see both both uh, opinions but, there, really. But then, as we've seen in the last in the last week or so, um, albeit one of the bids didn't actually make it make its way through in terms of strikers. If you want a guarantee of a striker who's going to score your goals in the championship, well, we came across one last weekend. Um, for Leeds and Southampton tried to buy one from Sunderland um, to, well, this week, and they are pretty much eight-figure sums, aren't they? And there's no way in the world we're going to be buying eight-figure sums for a striker who you would hope is more of a guarantee to score you 15, 20 goals in the season. Um, Norman's gone for a three out of ten, added to our squad but not to our first team. David has gone for a five out of ten. Most disappointed that Ashton himself stated we could expect a few more additions that haven't materialised. Um, well, I suppose they have materialised, haven't they? They just to be fair. Well, am I being fair to Ashton? He said there were two or three due to come in, and we have signed Williams and Scarlett since. But I suppose it's how you interpreted his well, he he rabble rousing two to speech. three. Two. To, it's now time to improve the starting eleven and two to three players well I'd, like I say I think you'd have to be a sort of he'd have to be a sort of very skilled politician to be able to claim <laughs> that what he meant was that we'd be signing two to three players that would be on the bench effectively or maybe Brandon Williams may come into the team at some point but I don't I don't expect Dane Scarlett to be starting the majority of games ahead of George Hurst over the rest of the season and and I think I don't know have we have we signed have we signed anyone this summer who's going to other than George Hurst, who was here last year, and maybe Mass Luongo, who was here last year and contract expired, have we signed anyone who you expect to start more than half the league games this mm. this summer? And I'd, I'd say no. Yeah, 
No, you're absolutely right. And also, if again, the oh, so it was that shoulder, wasn't it? The devil on this shoulder is just in my ear saying, well, and the people that you have signed has been potentially a Manchester United reserve um, in Twanzebe. It's a Manchester United youth player in Williams. It's an Spurs youth player um, in Scarlet. You know, these are players that would have already been within Kieran McKenna's orbit and potentially he's, he's trained all three of those as well. Our scouting network's net isn't being cast too far afield, um, you could be argued. Although, and for balance, Chris has given the transfer window an 8 out of 10. He says, we've retained all our key players. We secured the best manager in the country. New deals for Chaplin and Luongo. Two long-term long targets signed. Added three high-quality loanees from premiership clubs. So, you know, there's there's um, there's there's ways and means of looking. I think it's just a question of whether um, you, as sort of Joe was alluding to there, it's an improvement, an improvement on last year's team, isn't it? That we, the the some of the signings that Chris was referring to there were already our players in effect, and George Hurst was already playing for us, if not uh, our player. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I don't want to spend sort of the pod being sort of overly negative, overly critical. But if you look back through the comments that have been made through the summer, sort of from Kieran McKenna, from Mark Ashton, from Sam Morsey's when he when he spoke, it's all about, I, I, I can't remember who said exactly what, but it's the what got us here won't take us there. We're not here to make up the numbers. We Now's the time to improve the first 11. There's, there's a lot of these comments. And ultimately, if you were to actually put those down on paper and compare the actions with the words. I, I, I don't think we've we've achieved what was what I'm not saying what the fans have been promised, but what what the club was speaking about wanting to do. I don't think we've achieved that. Yeah, and I suppose Jacob that there won't be many more people more frustrated than that than Mark Ashton because, as David says here, we know that Ashton is keen on player trading. You know, he's a real life football manager uh, player, isn't he? He's it's what he did at Bristol City to varying degrees of success, depending on which um, club's forum you you read. But it's something that I'm sure he would have wanted to do, but has been frustrated and restricted in being able to do so. Yeah, and I think it's and as you mentioned, there are obviously mixed mixed opinions on Ashton. But I think if you look at his previous track record, maybe the fees that have been spent. If you look at Bristol City, for example, the fees that were spent were quite high, but he was able to. On the flip side of that, he was able to bring in very big money for players. Like there was, you know, I think they got um when they sold Webster on after they brought him from us, I think they got about 20 million quid for him. And there were at least three or four players, sort of just off the top of my head, that I think of that that went for went for those sort of eight-figure fees as well. Um so yeah, he has been restricted. But I think the I think as as Joe mentioned, probably the biggest the biggest sin has possibly been what he said rather than you know maybe build, building us up to expect more than maybe we should have done or maybe maybe we were right to expect that but I, I think he fueled the fire a little bit and perhaps got a little bit overexcited and that's probably why people are maybe not not too happy with with the business as a whole yeah yeah I think I think you're right and and, and I don't think you can um berate fans for having high expectations on the back of it but by this by the same token I think once once the dust has settled then you probably do need to look at it and think well we, we it was just as someone said here i think um strange martian we want to consolidate after four years in league one not go crazy all of a sudden expectations for the season had become unrealistic but the, the club didn't really dampen those expectations down too much did they joe no and i, I don't really for me i don't really get the talk of consolidation because ultimately three teams get relegated from the from the from the championship we're very very unlikely to be in that three team at the end of the season as sort of by every measure you've seen like you look at sort of your Sheffield Wednesdays your Rotherhams QPRs teams like this we're already miles ahead of those sort of on and off the pitch so the consolidation what what are we looking for trying to finish 15th and see where we go from there because I don't I think to keep up with what McKenna can do, we need we need to be going with him, so to speak. I, I don't think we 
we can just sort of plod along and oh yeah, we, we we've got a four or five year plan to get out of this league because mm. you look what happens. Like Sunderland, they finished sixth last year, the first season up from League One, but their transfer window it looks like at one point Ross Stewart was going to be going, Patrick Roberts was going to be going, um, Jack Clark was going to be going. All their loan players have gone back, and they're sort of a shell. And it's almost like they have to start again. I, d- I don't think I don't think there is a way that you can consolidate in this in this league. It's not really a league, a league for consolidation. Coventry have an amazing season last year. They lose their two best players, and they've got to try and go again. It's, yeah. it's a league where you just have to try and strike where the iron's hot. And I think with the s- squad and the form and the momentum we came up with last year, the iron is hot for us at the moment. I don't I don't think you can just Say okay, well, we'll try and finish twelfth here. We won't, we won't give it too much of a go, and then maybe next year we'll see where we are. Because next year, Leif Davis will probably be sold, and then you've got to try and find another left back to come in. We're not going to be good enough to have this rolling conveyor belt of players just coming one after the other. That's a that's a really good point, Joe, about um, keeping up with McKenna. It's something that was briefly touched upon last year when um, there were potential. Um, concerns and it wasn't guaranteed that we were actually going to go up and that was the concern then was that you know from what he's shown so far and how well he's um, progressed as a coach how well we've progressed as a team if he doesn't quite make that final hurdle will his um, expectations start going up and we're hampering them because we're down in league one now it's a slightly different conversation in that we're in the championship but as you say you know can this squad that I'm now showing on the screen is that giving him, in your two guys' opinion, is that giving him the tools that he needs to be able to, for us to be able to match his what we believe to be his his ambitions? I don't think you can look at the squad and say that it's that it's a top six squad. Um, I think I think I think it probably is probably is a mid table squad. I don't know if you you guys think that's fair. Um, but as for McKenna as well, I think that with how highly rated he is. And again, this I know I, I, don't, I don't think this is just, you know, obviously as town fans, we, you know, we think he's great, but just with his reputation in the game as well, I think that tying into Joe's point about striking with it while the iron's hot, we do have to kind of keep up with with his ambitions and his his expectations. So, you know, if if we are, you know, if we are, say, you know, just outside the playoffs or something, playing nice football, you, we've seen clubs that have kind of come in for managers even if they're not right at the top of the league. I think one example would be when Brighton came in and got, got Graham Potter from Swansea when they were playing. You know, they are in mid-table, but they were playing some quite nice football. And I think McKenna's, if, if you're going to have a club, who's going to make an appointment like that. Um, I, I don't think that that would necessarily um, put, put other clubs off potentially interested in him, but I, don't, I think we're hopefully away, away away from that yet. But we do need to match, match his ambition, I think. And when when you look at like in the summer there was talk oh Leicester are in from McKenna or not and we we don't know if there was any truth we don't know if there was any um, truth to those rumours or or anything along those lines but ultimately Russell Martin finished nowhere with Swansea last year just played mm. some nice football he's now got the Southampton job they've gone out and spent eight million here eight million there ten million here and they've got a squad which is just unbelievable really for the for the level we're at and. And if someone like if we have a summer like this and a January like that, and McKenna can't get us anywhere near the playoffs, and he's looking at that again, and a team comes down and offers him that sort of opportunity, where I say you look at um, the hundred odd million that Southampton are bought in transfers, Leicester bringing in sort of what forty five million for Madison, forty five million for Barnes, just gives a manager so much freedom, and that's that's what that's what we, that's what we've got to be careful about here. Yeah. One little point that Howard's um, mentioned a little bit earlier, forgive me, Howard, I didn't notice it at the time, is that, um, the, and someone did mention when they were um, referencing and, and rating the transfer window, is we haven't lost any players, um, but or we haven't heard that there's actually been much um, championship interest. I think, Joe, you'd heard whispers um, potentially about um, Davis Davis and Wolfden. You can you can let us know about that now that the, uh, the transfer window's shut. But it probably... You know, out of all of our players, those two would probably be the obvious two that that would get some sort of interest. Um, but whether that's because, as we showed very early on in the uh, in the show, the list of um, players that we've sold, that Plymouth have sold, that Sheffield Wednesday have sold, we haven't sold any. Is that because they're not 
quite nailed on to the fact that these are potentially going to be good players or by virtue of them not having shown it, the fees that we were being um, provided with, the bids that we were receiving, weren't anything like um, we'd be looking at to, to let these guys go. Yeah, I, I think I think it's the latter, really, because if a team, like I'm pretty sure a team did ask about Leif Davis, from, from what I heard, the answer was that it was a laughable amount that they were sort of considering for him. And and it's because he's only done it in League One, and until he does it in the Championship, what, what are they talking about now? Four or five million quid at the moment, where it's just not worth it for us to sell a player for that. We've, we've got no, we've got no cash sort of worries. It's not cash flow is an issue in the business. So there, there isn't a, a need to sell a player for four to five million quid. If you think they're going to be worth 15 million in a year's time, which is what you need to do. And, and that probably feeds in a little bit to why you need to get the loan players to imp- increase the quality of the squad, because Leif Davis is only going to be worth 15 million. If he's got, if he gets, 10, 12 assists in the championship this year and has a good season. And to get 10, 12 assists, you need to get 65 points, 65 goals and be an upper mid-table team. So you need to raise the level of the squad with your Dane Scarlett's, your Amari Hutchinson's and your Brandon Williams's because you need that depth to try and do it. So you're a little bit caught between two stools. In, all, in order to play a trade, you need your players to be in a better position to show showcase themselves more. So you, you're a little bit stuck. You couldn't just say, okay, well, Dane Scarlett isn't going to sign for us long term, even though we think he's better than Freddie Ladapo. We're not going to go for him because we're going to save the money because you need you need him in there. We needed that extra striker in there. So it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's it's very difficult to balance it all out. But I think, I think the squad is in decent shape. I just, like for me, my main, my main disappointments are, I feel we're in a really good position to have attacked the league a, a little bit more. And, the noise from the club has built up that expectation as well with the fan base, including myself. And I, I don't think we've, I don't think we've done enough to give us as good a chance as going mm. for that top six, which is what I think we should be aiming for. Jacob. Yeah. Joe's Joe's basically the, the point he's made is similar to what I was going to say, really. I just think, I just don't think that the risk rewards for selling Davis would have been, in our favour at this point, because mm. it, what what are you going to get? I mean, like I said, what three, four? I don't know, something like that. Just just plucking a figure out of the air. We're we're not going to sell for that. Clubs aren't going to go significantly higher until he's done it in the championship. If he can get double figure assists, then his value will really go up. And left back again is one of those positions yeah. where there aren't that many players available. So he's potentially, you know, the, the scarcity there might really drive the price up. And I think that we've that that we we're much better off just waiting and and potentially getting a big fee there and then that's how our player trading would would start the start the ball rolling and we could end up like like some of these clubs that we've seen this summer yeah yeah on that first slide with a with a chunk of change in our pocket to go and do some mark ashton player trading um quick question here from strange martian would this team beat the playoff team that lost to norwich what drink, Joe? This full of a few gnarled old championship players in that playoff team, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think maybe some of our fans might underestimate, underestimate how good that team was now because of the latter years of it. But <laughs> ultimately, this team needs to show that they can do it in a championship like that team did. I think that team finished in the top half four years out of five. At the moment, people are saying they're happy to consolidate. At the moment, well, that team was doing more than that was that was a consolidated championship team which some people see as an ambition for this team so I think that might need to be remembered and also while there's a lot of criticism of the transfer business done back then I think maybe there's been a little wake-up call with regards to how difficult um, the transfer market is in this league when you've got teams in there with an income of 100 million and teams in the league including ourselves in that sort of income, income of sort of 16, 17 million to try to try and compete with those. And and then maybe there might be a rejudgment of that, of that team at, us, at some point. Yeah. Just a quick couple here. Um, again, strange Martian saying last time I looked, we were sixth and a win tomorrow, probably top four. Jules has is long similar lines We're four games in, we've won three out of four and only lost to a team with 80 million quid of, forwards uh i believe we have a lot better side than what we realize my slight caveat to that would be that the the games that we've won we've had pretty much the same team out 
for those. We haven't had we haven't had to rely on the names on the screen that are further down the list than the top name on the screen in each position, if you see what I mean. We haven't had to worry too much about our squad depth um, as yet. And the one game that we did lose was the one game that um, George Hurst wasn't wasn't necessarily available for. Um, how do you see it, Jacob, in terms of you know the start that we've had? And you know, understand me, you know, it's fair play. Um, Jules is saying that you know we've won three out of first four. You know, there's no maybe not not such a time to panic, but you know the the, the gains are going to start to come a bit thick and fast, aren't they? Once we hit the uh, post international break. I've been quite pleasantly surprised with the start, really, even even taking the defeat into account. I thought we're probably maybe two or three points up on where I thought we would be. Um, I think what's been most encouraging is that we've won games in different ways. So, I mean, this is following on from what we did at the end of last season where, where McKenna kind of changed the style up a little bit at times, like kind of keeping principles the same, but um, maybe willing to add a bit of variation in those tougher games. Like we saw how we won at Sunderland, like... You know, for I I thought we deserved to win that game. I know if you look at the stats, it probably wouldn't look like it if you know if you hadn't watched the game. But for all the possession that they had, I think we restricted them pretty well. We looked really, really good on the counter attack. I know none of the goals really came from um, from those kind of situations, but um, yeah, we looked really good there. I thought Stoke we controlled the game easily, deserved to win that QPR. Um, I think that was more of a kind of throwback to some of those games that we maybe had in January, February, where it was a team that was kind of behind the ball, well organised. It was our it was on us to break them down and you know we didn't play very well but we did ultimately get the job done um yeah i think it's been a relatively relatively positive start so far and i, I just think the way that we we've managed to find different ways to win win games is 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 probably the most promising thing even um just as promising as the results that we've had yeah quite starkly different to the way that we were having well, having to play and were playing towards the tail end of last season and certainly in terms of the possession and next year as you say you know we're pretty much a a middling um we look at the various graphs and scatter graphs that are that are out there at the moment we are in the big clump of, of teams uh teams in the middle at the moment um just one final one here from from romeo as we start to uh, start to wrap up and it sort of refers to what you were saying earlier joe about um the politician's answer to what are going to you would suspect to be some questions over the weekend he says that Ashton probably needs to come out and set out the reasons for not fulfilling his intentions. Um, and he thinks, well, crikey, he thinks most town fans will understand. I can't imagine most town fans on Twitter will understand, Romeo. But yeah, you, you may be right that most town town, town fans will understand. Um, I, I do think most fans are pretty willing to forgive a lot from the club at the moment, to be fair. And I'm not saying what they've done needs forgiveness. But I mean, when there's, when those things come up, it's... Uh, so, like, for example, the membership scheme, which I say it's all of a sudden we're going to start charging me £40 for the privilege of going to the away game. There hasn't been any communication from the club about it, but people just seem to get over it. So I, I do think that if there, there probably should be a on town TV a chat about it, uh, what happened mm. in the window, where we where it went well, where it, where it didn't go well. Not, and I'm not saying they need to sit down and break down every target, but it's... I think Kieran McKenna is is excellent at giving the fans incredible amounts of information about what he's doing tactically, what he's doing on the pitch, what sort of effectively why he's doing what he's doing. And maybe if we get some of that from the back end of the club, that would be good. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would benefit Ashton as well, wouldn't it? Like, you know, because this this is a window which I think, you know, some people think it's all right, some people not not so happy. It's I think mixed would probably be a fair description to use. I think if something like that were to happen, he and, and it kind of reduces the pressure going into the next window. Like if we don't get what we want in January, and I think you know we haven't really touched on it yet, but with the I mean, we discussed it in the Telegram group with the we've obviously got the Asian and the African tournaments coming up in January, so we're going to potentially have some more. You know, we've got more um, just to address a current squad that we've got in January. So I think that will be quite a busy window. Um, so if 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 we've got something where where there's a lot of goodwill still going into that, I think that would benefit benefit Ashton going into the into that window. Yeah. Absolutely, brilliant. Well, um, well, there will no doubt be some PR coming out of PR over the uh, over the course of the weekend. Um, just a few plugs here before we uh, before we wrap up. Um, as ever, uh, Rich and Seb's excellent pre-match pod um, is out and ready to uh, ready for your consumption um, either tonight as you as you wind down to uh, the transfer window slamming shut, or tomorrow as you. 
wind your way to the game. Um, just please remember, as I said at the very beginning, they did they got quite libelous at certain points during the pod, and if you just ignore those, that'd be fantastic. Um, flagship on Sunday, I believe, is yourself, Joe, with Ben and Dave. Looking forward yeah. to it. Hopefully to yep. discuss some debut goals for Dane Scarlett and uh, another win. Yeah, and that will be live as ever at 8pm. Um, BlueMondayITFC.co.uk for all your Blue Monday needs and requirements, links to everything you'd need on there. Um, please give us a, a thumbs up um, if you if you would. I believe it helps in some shape, way or another. Um and subscribe, obviously, if you if you aren't already. Um, so yeah, what I shall now do, sadly, I shall mothball at the ceremonial mothballing of the ticker until um, January the first, where I believe um, Rich has agreed that every pod throughout January will have the rolling um, yellow transfer ticker on it. Um, so look out for that. Um, thanks for everyone in your comments. Thanks very much for joining us. Um, sorry we couldn't uh, bring you any earth-shattering, um, breaking news uh, in terms of in terms of transfers, bits of that. But hopefully, um, the guys have um, had a, had a decent discussion about what has happened, what hasn't happened, what maybe maybe should have happened. Um, thank you to Joe, and I hope everyone will join me in thanking and congratulating Jacob on his debut, which has been a, a fantastic um, debut from him. Thank and we you. hope to see, hope to see more of you, uh, Jacob, if not at the, at the, at the matches themselves for, due to you being so, uh, so far away, but you know, hopefully we'll see more of you on screen. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. Wonderful. All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. And uh, as Joe said, hopefully we'll be, we'll be celebrating uh, an Ipswich win come Sunday night's uh, flagship. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.